but here's the, here's the goal. Uh, if you have your, your paper there, uh, marriage trolls. And so we're going to have six weeks, five trolls that we're going to, huh? Oh, relationship. Sorry. Relationship trolls is what it should have been. Did I write marriage on it? So next week it'll say relationship trolls. <laughs> um, but uh, anyway, you get the point. Um, the, the, the idea, we have fun. It, it, I don't know if you have fun, but we, we have fun. Um, so th- this idea of things that come into relationships, I don't think we think about this enough, but the devil has tools and he's good at using them. You know what I mean? Like we think about the tools that we have that are at our disposal that we use for maybe your job, right? Uh, that's what makes a newbie a newbie, right? They, they don't know how to use the tools. <laughs> uh, you know, I've, I've, I've done hardwood floors for a long time. And there's like a lot of, um, uh, a lot of pride around people who can nail floors really fast, right? They even have contests. How many knew that? They have contests. Who can nail hardwood floors fast? Well, what's funny is watching somebody who's never done it and then they end up missing the board and putting a nail in like the top of the hardwood and then they have to rip it out and then everybody laughs at them because they don't know how to use the tools. But the more you do the job, the more experience that you have, the more efficient you become with the tools. You know where I'm going with this, right? The devil has been at this a really long time. He's really good at using his tools. And so I think for us, you know, there's, there's a lot of marriage series, and we, we even searched right now media, right? There's a lot of series out there that are primarily from the focus of the good things that you need to use. And those are good, and you should watch those, and you should think about what it's like to love each other and have commitment and be faithful and loyal, right? But what we wanted to do for this series is just pull out five things, five tools that we see the devil using in everybody's marriage. I don't care if you've been married one year, less than one year, 50 years. Who's been married in here over 50 years? I knew it. You guys are amazing. This is applicable. And, and here's the thing. Whatever your go-to is, typically we know. We know what those hot buttons are that the devil uses, but yet we continue to let him use them. We continue to let the same problem. I watched my parents for 40 years in their marriage relationship allow the same insanity over and over and over and over again. How many, don't raise your hand, how many of you watched your parents do the same thing and nothing ever changed? Just because you've been married a long time doesn't mean anything. And, and you get what I'm saying. Of course it means something. But it, it doesn't mean anything when it comes to your, your level of enduring the temptation that he uses in those tools and the effectiveness that he has. So anyway, uh, and if anything, I've seen um, folks that have some time under their belt co-sign things that they shouldn't be co-signing in other people's younger relationship. And so what we're doing is we're approaching this thing from a perspective of five things that are really bad that we've identified. We sat down and and we brainstormed over this. This is not exhaustive. There's more than five, right? But we're going to take five weeks, talk about these five things. And the sixth week is intentionally Q&A. Intentionally for you to say, you're going to have questions at the bottom of this paper. You'll have questions at the bottom of next week's and so on and so forth. For you to do some work. If you're single, do the work. 
If you're married, do the work. Whatever life stage you're in, uh, put the work in. But that's kind of our forum. And if we get to the end of it and we want to do more, um, great, uh, we will. But that's kind of the, the plan for now is to approach this from five things, five trolls. Uh, what we mean is this is something that comes into your relationship and plagues it. Something that comes into your relationship and divides your oneness, puts you against each other, and uh, works to separate what God has done as far as within your marriage. So that's the idea, and uh, we're going to do this together, and we don't know how that's going to work, um, but we're going we're gonna to figure it out, and uh, we'll, we'll start with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump right on in. Father, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We pray in this moment that your spirit would come, Father, that you would work through this time together, Father, that you would supernaturally reveal these trolls in our lives and our relationships, and help us, Father, to eradicate them, help us to protect against them. In Jesus' name, amen. So you want to tell them what the first troll is? Yeah. Okay, so the first (laughs) troll you see at the top is ignorance. Um... And I, I think for us, this is something that we sort of bring up a lot because a common excuse, even in parenting, right, is like, well, I just didn't know. But did you try to know? Did you try to figure things out? Did you make any effort at all? You know, and sometimes we can really hide behind uh, the I didn't know or I didn't think about it. And that intentionality yeah. is just overlooked intentionally (laughs) there wasn't there was a different intentionality there but it's overlooked and um kind of used used to cover up yeah things yeah and i think that if if we're all honest you know we have the bible right ignorance is never the goal and I, I think depending on what area of East Baltimore you're from, you might use that word differently, uh, ignorant. <laughs> but um, I'm just saying, but... Uh, yeah, nobody else says that, just so you guys know. Yeah. Around the rest of the country, nobody, nobody calls like people that. ignorant. They're ignorant. That's an, that's, I came here and I was here. like, what don't they know? I didn't understand. It was, <laughs> it's, a, it's weird. Now we get it. We know now when we somebody understand. says they're ignorant, we know what they yeah. mean. Um, but... In this regard, there's really no excuse for it. And um, it's unfortunate. And I think that this is the mentality that we have to fight, right? That you all have levels at which you think things are okay or not okay. We all do. That we have, Sarah calls them minimum baselines. And who was that from? Gretchen Rubin? Remember? It's like some podcaster. You used she's, she's got all the good stuff. But... Um, the minimum baselines that we all have built in where we think we're okay if we're in church, maybe giving of our time, resources, and so then all those other things that we know are not right, we do things that we like to do so that we don't have to do those things. And that's what she's talking about, intentionality. You're, in, you're intentional about what you want to be intentional about. You get done the things that you want to get done, But always saying yes to one thing is saying what? No to something else. And so we do this in our spiritual lives, and we say yes to certain things so that we can have a pet sin. We do these things so that we can be okay with the fact that we know our relationship with God is not good, and and our marriages are the same thing. And so 
what we're hoping to do with week number one is just lay the groundwork to say, none of you are ignorant in this room that listened to this series that set and that started with us to what a marriage should be. None of you at this point, I'm sorry, if, if you want to plug your ears right now and run out, uh, then maybe you can live and stay in your ignorance. But if you're going to sit here through the rest of the 30 minutes, I think we're, we're giving ourselves 10 minutes of flex time at the end of this. So the next 30 to 40 minutes, uh, if you're going to sit through this, at the end of it, you're going to be confronted with what marriage is and what it is not. And so the first troll is ignorance. I just didn't know. How many times have we heard, well, I didn't get it growing up. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know. You wouldn't add yeah. anything to that? Um, no. I, I, is this exactly what they have on the paper? Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, no, I think that that's, I, I think that, I, we might have it on here somewhere, but how we really have a tendency to just take what we do know, and that is maybe the marriage that we witnessed growing up, whoever we grew up with, or grandparents, and you know, we tend to just make that what we think it is and not really, you know, dig any deeper or try to, to make it more than that. Yeah. So let's start at the top. And here's the, here's really when you think about these relationship or marriage trolls, this one, here's the line. Do you know what the purpose for your marriage is biblically? Do you know what the purpose is for your marriage biblically? That's the first question that we're asking Uh, Because this troll of ignorance comes along, and it talks, and it whispers, and it sidetracks, but we all should know what our purpose is. Now, here's some things that we hear. Is it, and what we're saying is your marriage, is it companionship? Is it sex? That's why we get married. Is it a milestone? Is that why we're, we're just, it's the next thing. I've done the, uh, I was a child, right? I've gone to school. Maybe I've messed with college or my career. I am where I am. The next thing is for me to what? Get married. If it's the next thing in your life, if it's a milestone, which we hear that a lot. We really do. That's not the purpose. Marriage is not a milestone for you to check off and say, that's the next thing. Or I lost this spouse, so I need to what? Find another one. Another one. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Some are like, can I trade mine in? I saw it. I saw it in your eyes. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Look, we're going to get real in here. You you talk about the next one because that was your point, and I think it's so emblematic of 2022. Yeah, I would say definitely people like, our generation and younger, you know, they honestly get married just for the optic. They just want to look like they have it together. They want to have that, you know, just that presentation on their social media and wherever, wherever it is, you know, they want to be able to have that perfect picture to mail out on the Christmas card, you know, and it's like, you know, some people even they want to just have the wedding. They just want to have the fancy day and the big dress and you know, I mean we've known people who literally got married because they w- literally wanted to have a wedding and that was why they got married. Um and obviously in here I don't know that that's the case for anybody cuz you know, most people in here have been married for a while and yeah. marriages like that don't last at all, but yeah. Sometimes we can make it work for a while even when it's 
birthed out of something that isn't healthy. And I think that sort of Christmas card to mail out is a big reason for people that they just want to have that right look and for people to think that they are doing the right things and have it together. Wouldn't you say too, like when you say they don't last at all, some of them last on the outside, but they're never like, because they live in their ignorance. And what we mean by that, they're living in their reason. They're living in their marriage reality, Christmas card. We could just coin this phrase. She said it last night and I was like, that's perfect. But people that live for the Christmas card marriage, they'll live there the rest of their lives. And how many of us know those people that it always has to be the next big house, the promotion, the bank account? It always shifts. It may have started with the Christmas card marriage, but look, there's always got to be that next best Christmas card. Mm -hmm. Every year it's got to look like whatever the filter should be, right? And so we have to consider the fact that from this point moving forward, ignorance is not enough. You're hearing it first right here that that's not going to build the foundation that you need for a right marriage relationship. This is a thought that I had too. Um, I've heard some people say, which this isn't my story, but I've heard people say, yeah, you know, my parents never saw them fight. They never fought one time. And I don't know if any of you have that story yourself or you've heard somebody say something like that, but I've really always wondered, like, are those people, if you've never seen someone fight or you've never had a disagreement with someone, does that mean that you're, just not confronting things with that person. And my guess is that that's probably the case a lot of times, is that they're just not confronting things. They're just two people who can go, oh, I'm just going to be ignorant. I'm going to turn a blind eye. I'm going to pretend I didn't see that. I'm going to, I don't want to, I don't want to have a confrontation. And if two people are married to each other that don't like confrontation, there's a good chance they're just going to overlook and overlook and continue to be Mm -hmm. ignorant and stay married. You know, yeah. and just, oh, they never fight. Well, do they ever discuss anything difficult? You know, yeah. we probably wouldn't fight either if we never talked about right. anything that was hard. Yeah, and I think, too, um, make sure you keep oh, your mic up yeah. there. But um, I, I think, too, the, only for the recording, but the the thought, too, along along those lines, and I think that we need to erase this misconception, and we're there's a whole week dedicated to that in this series, but... Um, the most well-to-do are married, right? Uh, statistically, you know, just in some of the research, and we read, some of this will come from The Meaning of Marriage by Tim Keller, great book, everybody should read it, but uh, he brings out the point that uh, the most successful men are men that are married from a place of, um, you know, their, their responsibility, their work ethic, what they have pushing them. Um, it is just a general accepted statistic across the board. The most successful men are married. And, and what we have, what, what we're doing in this society, in our ignorance as parents, is we're saying, don't get married, save your money. We're saying, wait until you have all of your ducks in a row. What you're doing couldn't be anything further from the truth. The very mentality that you're trying to project on your children, watch this, because of the mistakes that you look at that you made are what made you who you are. The struggle, the responsibility, the aspects of building a home and a relationship are what made you successful. But you tell your children to run from that. We don't let our kids get married at 18 anymore because we think that they're too immature. Well, how do you think you matured? Man, it's quiet. We 
we have it backwards. We are letting the enemy dictate how we take our marching orders. And if we follow scripture, kids will get married at a younger age than what the culture is dictating right now. But we've got kids everywhere that want the picture perfect, that want the Christmas card. That to them is the marriage relationship, and it is the least important aspect of marriage. That's ignorance. This troll is killing you. This troll, watch this, parents that are older. This troll is killing your legacy. Don't you want to see your kids and grandkids thrive? Don't forget what it takes to thrive. Even as someone who, like, uh, I, I mean, I'm, I'm young in a lot of ways, but old in a lot of ways. I had to grow up quick because of my situation at home. Um, but it's hard building a business. It's hard starting a church. It's hard having a good marriage. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's difficult. It takes, here's, here's the word, work. It takes work. And we want everything handed to us on a silver platter. You want to give your children. Listen to me and listen to me carefully. You can't hand this to your children. A marriage relationship is something that they will have to build on their own. Yes, a good model will help, but this is something that they have to go through hard times. They have to go through the struggle. That's right. They, I know, did. You amen me. That's right. You can't keep your children from this. And some of you, you need to do an about face and you need to repent. You really do. You need to repent of the ignorance that you're pushing your children into. Some of you have near adult or adult children. You're doing them a disservice. And the ignorance has got to stop. It's a troll. And it's trolling you. And that's on the other side. It's laughing at you. Satan's laughing at the fact that you think you're doing a kid, your, your kid a favor by having them graduate with a college degree. Let me help you with something. Elon Musk tweeted this, and I love the fact that he just bought Twitter. <laughs> just in case you're wondering where I stood on that. He tweeted this, an 18-year-old can't get a $10,000 loan to start a business, but they can go $100,000 in debt for a college degree. How much sense does that make? And that plays into this ignorance when it comes to marriage and relationships. You think I'm playing. It's, the, it's connected. It's all connected. There I go. I would say, too, one, so. one, <laughs> one step further on that, too, and this is advice that we received, was when you get married, just wait a little while to have kids. Just get to know each other and just enjoy your time together. And You want to have another what, one? <laughs> and honestly, what have we enjoyed? in our marriage more than our children? Nothing. Nothing. What has brought us together more than our children? Nothing. Nothing. What's the point of waiting? You know, it's, it, unless you have some like health reason or, you know, if you want to just say, oh, we just, everything's been crazy. We're going to wait six months. Okay, that's fine. But people, we were told, wait three or four years. Don't have kids for a while. And it's like, Looking back, why would we do that? You know, why? Do you know how expensive they are? Right. Do you, kids are so expensive and they take so much time. And it's like nothing has brought us closer. Nothing has brought us, brought us more joy in our marriage than growing our family. And I thought, yeah. what a, you know, what a it's horrible ignorance. thing to steal yeah, from ignorance. a young married couple to, to not have the opportunity 
to grow their family. You know, it's that was just that's all that was always tied in. It was always finish college, start your career, then get married. And then once you get married, wait three or four years to have kids. It's yeah, you know, we reflect often on this. And if we had it to do over again, we would not have waited to finish college before we got married. We probably would have gotten married like six months after we met, I think. Um, but it, it's just, we yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, we, we, we were friends. Dating. We were friends before we ever, we were in a relation in relationships with other people. Uh, and then we like orchestrated this huge chess game of breaking up with them and getting with each other. Um, That's no, not I'm true. kidding. No, it's not. <laughs> I'm just being dumb. Um, but that is how it worked out. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, but we, we've talked about uh, that we would have gotten married sooner, but we, we have to like, and look, we're going to be a little raw in here. Like there's going to be some weeks. I mean, my goal is to make you blush. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but the, <laughs> y'all got to loosen up a little bit. Well, you just ripped them all off. I know that's true. Ripped you up one side of them. Anyway, like somebody's got to speak the truth into this area. And as a pastor... I just see this so much. And, and, and I'm not trying to be, I ain't trying to be ignorant uh, when it comes to this, but like people call us. I'm, like, let me just be real with you. Like people call us. Like we're trying to figure out time in our schedule to counsel couples, not just from our church, but from around and, and people in ministry and, and other, and it's just, we're looking at their Facebooks. We're looking at their Instagrams, but yet we're hearing how it actually is on the inside. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like they're coming to us and we're going, this is not good. This is not healthy, but they feel like they have to maintain that. You know, and, and I'm, I'm looking around the room, like all of you, like we, we would do good to stop the Christmas card moments in our lives and actually ask ourselves, what is the foundation of our relationship? Why are we married? Was this a milestone? And look, if some of you find yourself in this series going, I don't even love them. Hold on. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> don't hit the abort because what you did, what God hath joined together, let no man, including you, put us under. Right? It's, it is what it is, and we're going to make the best of it. But we'll never make the best of it continuing in our life. All right, let's let's and, move on. Yeah, just one thing. A good resource on kind of that topic of marriage is, um, is it called You and it's Me Forever? Story. It's a great book. Um, by Francis Chan. That's probably one of the biggest things for us that's, that we were like, it was yeah, a pivotal that's moment. A pivotal moment. I'm sure there are studies, Both. but it's a book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes, and that book is really... Um, it's, it really helps you realize that your marriage is real. It's not about you at all. <laughs> and yeah. it's about what God wants to do. And it's yeah. about how your relationship, uh, how it plays into like eternity. And yeah. so that's a really good resource. If you're looking for something more on that yeah. kind of topic. As we move through this and I'll, I'll get us to the, the application quickly, um, just because of what time it is. But, um, the Lord, even though you may be struggling with some ignorance as it pertains to marriage and relationships, I want you to understand this, like God is not struggling with purpose. God is not struggling with a plan in this. God knows exactly, he's very intentional 
in all the right ways, God knows exactly what he's doing in your life. And, and he wants you to, to be up to speed with what he's doing. Uh, so here's a few, a few, few things. We've kind of already obliterated these societal objections, but it's there on your paper. Marriage was originally about property. Marriage crushes individual identity, is oppressive for women. Marriage stifles passion. Marriage is just a piece of paper that only serves to complicate love, and so on. Those are all uh, ignorant statements as it pertains to Scripture and what marriage relationships really are. Do you want to speak to that. So we're just keep rolling here from the Presbyterian Book of Common Worship. It's from that excerpt because Tim Keller is is a Presbyterian. But uh, God established marriage for the welfare. I love the statement. God established marriage for the welfare and happiness of humankind. Um, we're image bearers. The Lord has created you and me and, and creating us uniquely in mind for a relationship with him. He also uh, personally handcrafted marriage. So the two fit hand in hand with how God is communicating and living out his life with us. He does that through uh, the institution of marriage. Um, so these are just some, some really interesting things that we liked and threw in here. The Bible begins with a wedding, Adam and Eve. Think about that. Have you thought about that? The Bible begins with the wedding of Adam and Eve in Genesis, and it ends in, re- in, in Revelation uh, with a wedding of Christ in the church. Isn't that an amazing picture of how the Lord is doing relationships? He uses this institution uh, for his own purposes and for his own good and his own glory. Folks that are experiencing success in their marriages, large in part, are following the biblical model that the Lord outlined for marriage. And that goes for saved and unsaved. There are unsaved people that have really good marriages that they don't even understand it, but they're following the biblical model. They're typically folks that are loyal to each other and faithful to each other. And, uh, you know, it, it wouldn't be hard to discern what a successful marriage looks like, even with someone outside of the church, that really what they're doing is following the biblical model. There is a lack of trust in believers. Um, and this was really, uh, Sarah and I were talking about this, but she kind of made this point last night. But there's a lack of trust in believers in following God's plan. When Christians choose not to follow the Lord's plan, it can be traced back to a lack of confidence in God's word. Um, if, 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 if we see where we are deviating in our ignorance, really you can trace that back to the fact that you're not confident that what God is saying in his word he will do. Sunday's message, right? Abraham, in his faith, he had faith past the promise. Look, if, if tonight we, we kind of like, set the record straight, if you will, and we talk about purpose from the right foundation of marriage, like some of them are going to be things, they're going to confront the fact that maybe you're not doing it quite like you should. And in that, when you see the conflict with Scripture, submit to Scripture. Do what, do what the Bible says uh, and have confidence that what God has begun, he will perform, Philippians 1.6. So, uh, and Sarah's already said this, but we see marriage in our own experiences. This is how you were brought up. We see it. We can't help it. You, you've been crafted in your own home growing up, good or bad. It is the truth. And you must see that in your own life, that some of you are literally your mother or father. You, you have to confront yourself with that. Uh, I mean, we talk about it and it's, it's funny, but 
It's also not funny, right? I mean, you are your mother and father. You are uh, duplicating these same mistakes and how you learned it. It's innate. It's, it's how you were raised. And some of you, it's ignorance and it's not okay. And you have to let the Lord redeem that. Do you think the Lord wants to emulate, uh, do you think the Lord wants you to emulate your heavenly father, him, or your earthly father? So what I'm saying is, is it's not an excuse. We have a heavenly father. We have a brother in Jesus. We are sons and daughters. We are kings and queens. And so are you going to pattern your marriage relationship off of your kingdom family or off of your earthly family? And so many of us, we've, we're making the same mistakes. Look, I come from an absolutely broken home, an absolutely shattered relationship. And, and there's been so many times I've had to invite my wife into my broken space and say, help me redeem myself through, through this marriage. I need, my sanctification is large in part up to this woman. I have to, because we're one in our marriage relationship, I have to let her into my brokenness of of how I grew up, and then she speaks into that in our oneness, and then I'm changed. The Lord uses your spouse to help with your sanctification, to help with your redemption. But when we separate that, when we block off, when we put up walls, when we say, no, we have to go to the counselor, in order just to mediate, When all you have to do is just drop the walls and be transparent and open and honest. And then guess what? You can work on each other's broken places. That's marriage. But the ignorance is, this is just, if we've heard it once, we've heard it a thousand times. This is just who I am. This is just how I was brought up. All of those are saying, I just want to be, uh, I want to be sinful. I want to be proud. And I want to remain in my brokenness. You might as well say it that way, right? But you don't have to. That's not the design. How many of us can honestly say we have seen the relationship of Christ and the church modeled in a marriage? How many can honestly say we see confession and repentance modeled regularly in our parents' relationship? Let's put my parents on FaceTime real quick on the screen. I'd tell them right to their face. (laughs) And I know many of you would as well. But here's what I'm saying. It's not okay. It's not all right to be ignorant in this. And and let that, that troll of ignorance continue to troll you for the rest of your life. Moving on. The biblical foundation. Do you want me to read this or do you want to read it? Yeah, you read so much better than I do. We're going to mess it up so bad. (laughs) All right, uh, biblical foundation, Ephesians 5, 18 through 33. And don't get drunk with wine, which Unless it's after hours and the kids are already in bed. (laughs) (laughs) And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music with your heart to the Lord giving thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives and husbands, wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is, he is, I'm sorry, I'm struggling because this is not King James. I know. I know this one in King James. He is the savior of the body. Just quote it. 
Now, as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her, to make her holy, cleansing her with the washing of water by the word. He did this to present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything like that, but holy and blameless. In the same way, husbands are to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hates his own flesh, but provides and cares for it, just as Christ does for the church, since we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This mystery is profound, but I am talking about Christ and the church. To sum up, each one of you is to love his wife as himself, and the wife is to respect her husband. Mm, that's so good. Um, I'll, do the, uh, I'll do that first one, okay. if you want to do that second one. Um, look at verse number 18. That's a lot, and some of y'all need to... I think you actually wrote the second point, and I don't know what... Okay, sure I, I did write that. it. <laughs> All right, I'll, 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 I'll do it. I think I talk more about the first point. You want to do that? Well, verse 18, what is that? Why? I'm not sure why you put verse eight, 18 there, one about not getting drunk. <laughs> look at the end of the verse. Oh, being filled with spirit. Okay, yeah. that's it. Um, I think this is something we've talked about so much. People will come to us and say, I need a scripture verse about anxiety. Or can you please give me a passage to read about depression? Or, you know, just something like that. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, there are certain scriptures that will speak to you for different reasons at different times. But ultimately, you need to just be in scripture, period. You need to be praying, period. You know, it has to be part of your life. And it's not a specific verse that's going to get you through a hard time. It's going to be a life of scripture, a life of prayer, a life of worship. One song might touch you in a moment, but it's not going to get you through a really difficult time in life. It has, your, your whole life has to be filled with the spirit. And out of that, you know, everything will cut, will flow, but you can't wait for a hard time or have a difficult moment or say, I need this verse about this. It's just, it's not going to be the thing to help. You know, it has to be, you know, it's hard sometimes to read the book of Deuteronomy and think like, oh, the Lord blessed me so much. But honestly, he will. Like, he will bless you for your faithfulness, and he will comfort you because you're close to him, not because that one verse did it for you, you know? Yeah. It, so true. She's dropping truth bombs. This is, this is what gets me through right here. She really writes my sermons. Uh <laughs> But if you look at verse 18, it's often where people, and I, I, you know, I'm big on context with scripture, but people go 22 through 33. When they, when they search, I want scriptures about marriage, they start at verse 22. Tell me, when I read this, tell me where the break is, right? And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be filled with the spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs singing and making music with your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always to everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another, <laughs> to one another in the fear of Christ. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. It's a continuation from 18. Talking about submission, it's already laid the groundwork in verse 18. It doesn't start at wives, submit to your husbands, that's not where it starts. It starts in 18, where it talks about uh, be filled with the Spirit. Look, the foundation uh, of a good marriage is being Spirit-filled. 
And many of you have not experienced that yet, and that's okay. But if you keep pursuing that rather than a good marriage, you'll be better off. I'm going to say that again. Many of you have not been spirit-filled yet, and that's okay. But you should be pursuing that rather than a healthy, good marriage relationship, and it will come. It is crucial. It is vital. When, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus, and we're really getting into the nitty-gritty in our series on Romans, but when you put your faith and trust, like Sarah said, it's a life. It's a spirit-filled life. We, we wake up thinking and singing as to the Lord and not to men. And so uh, before we talk about submission, we have to first start with being spirit-filled. And if you're struggling uh, with submission, submitting one to each other, um, chances are you're struggling with being spirit-filled. And, and that is so vitally crucial. If you have not experienced the Spirit of God washing over you and leading you and giving you wisdom, then start there. That, that's really the first step. So, uh, but I, I want to, as you take these scripture verses home with you and you talk about them, hopefully you will, I want you to start at 18 when you see the biblical foundation for marriage. So number one, the foundation of a good marriage begins with being spirit-filled. This isn't a scripture verse like Sarah said. This isn't a, an anecdotal Facebook post. It's a lifestyle. Uh, I'm going to read and I'm going to study and I'm going to pray in the spirit even though I don't feel like doing it. I'm going to check in with my relationship with the Lord first before I check in with anything and everything. Number two, look at verse number 21. So uh, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. I think it's very important before we talk about women submitting in their role, and we're going to talk about it. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> but Anyway, no, uh, it's just fun. But before we talk about that, what we, what we first have to see is that it says submitting to one another. Do you understand how ahead of, the, how ahead of its time the Bible was? In a society, a matriarchal society where the husband did whatever he wanted to do and the wife said nothing. Do y'all understand that? In a, in a society where the man ruled the roost, he wore the britches, so to speak. It was the opposite of how it is today. And look what Paul wrote. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ? Paul was introducing a concept that only spirit-filled people could accept. Paul was saying the foundation of a marriage relationship is not you getting what you want. It's you submitting to someone else. The problem is, is if marriage, if in our ignorance we got into marriage looking for something, really you get into marriage looking, to how, looking for an opportunity to serve someone. That's what marriage is all about. And when couples have problems and when it's a breakdown, it's because of selfishness. It's because they're after something when they should be after serving someone. That's foundational, but it's only understood if you're spirit-filled. Why? Because a spirit-filled person understands being selfless. A spirit-filled person says, I know what Jesus did for me. Why? Because the Holy Ghost of God is telling me right now. 
I know what that woman needs right now uh, because the Spirit of God's telling me what she needs. Wouldn't you, all these men, man, I tell you what, and I'm like, and she knows, like, I'm just sitting here saying all the things that I don't do. <laughs> it's my favorite. Come on. All of us men in this room, and you know I'm telling the truth. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. I don't know what she likes. I don't know. Listen, you need to get alone with the Spirit of God and say, what should I do? What does she want to hear? What does she need me to say? Because the Lord knows there's sometimes I don't know. I need the Holy Ghost. Ignorance is not okay. It's not okay. Why? Because you got the Holy Ghost. Come tell me the Holy Ghost didn't give you an answer. Come tell me the Holy Ghost told you to step out of your marriage and sleep with that woman. Come tell me that. And then maybe we'll allow a divorce in the church. <laughs> anyway. Oh, number two, the fruit of... I love this. Look at verse 21. Submitting to one another in the fear of Christ... The fruit of the Spirit. So first, number one, the foundation of a good marriage is being what? Spirit-filled. Come on. It's being what? Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm filled with the Spirit. So the fruit of that is in marriage context, right? If you know that you're Spirit-filled in your marriage, here's the fruit. It's mutual submission. Mutual submission. If one is submitted to the other and the other is not submitted to the other, then you're not spirit-filled. Why? Because you're submitting to Jesus as you submit to each other. Number three, so as you read this, looking at verse 22, and we're just hitting on this, and speak to this, but we're just hitting on this briefly. You need to go and do some Bible study yourself. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. So it's saying that this is a continuation of mutual submission. Because the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, and I understand that some of this is cultural, he is the savior of the body. So Paul is bringing the analogy out, right, of Christ and the church. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives are to submit to their husbands in everything. This isn't just one area or the other. Now watch this. Here's where he puts the focus for husbands. Husbands what? Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. No one would look at Christ and say, you need to submit to the church. Do you follow me? No one would look at Christ and say, I'm going to say it again, you need to submit to the church. Why? Because everyone knows he's already given everything, what? To the church. He's already done all the work necessary. And that's what I tell my wife all the time. I've already done it all. You know what I'm saying, sweetheart, you. I've already done it all. No, that's not true. I don't do that. <laughs> the point is, is we're not going to say that to Jesus because we know that Jesus already did and has gone above and beyond. Men, <laughs> when men talk about their wives not submitting, it probably would not take long to watch that husband missing in action in many areas. Do you understand what I'm saying? So before we point the finger and say the Bible is, is uh, you know, chauvinistic and it's oppressive to women, no. Uh, it's putting this in perspective with Christ who endured the ultimate sacrifice. 
No one would look at Christ and say, you're being oppressive to the church, would they? Do you understand? Do you see the relationship between the two, how it's being built? Okay, so we have love and respect are elements that show your relationship is healthy. Now, here's what we're going to kind of focus on to close this out and then leave you with questions. Roles, it's love and respect are elements that show your relationship is healthy and roles are being fulfilled and exercised. Roles are being fulfilled and exercised. So Paul goes on to say, for this reason, towards the end, you need to leave and cleave. Man and a wife, leave the father and mother's house. This is him saying, you know that your marriage has a purpose a foundation, and you need to now live it out. You need to live out the purpose Jesus has for your marriage, not your own purpose or the purpose of another, a.k.a. the parents wanting to fulfill their purpose in their children's relationship. And we see that all the time. So uh, that's the foundation of marriage. And you look at this passage of scripture, I don't know of another that puts it more clear uh, than that passage right there. And we've got three questions for you to take home, for you to exegete your own relationship and really survey what foundation is your marriage being built on or built upon. Um, But I I think you got to send them home on just a little piece on roles. I think you just... I don't, know of a, I don't know of a woman that fulfills her roles better than my wife. She understands, she sees life biblically and just in this linear fashion that's so clear. And, and I mean, honestly, like you keep me so on track in so many areas because I'm all over the place. Um, you see biblical roles so, so defined um, in a world that, Think about this. Everyone wants to redefine gender, much less a biblical role that a man or a woman should fulfill. Does that make sense? Anyway, speak to that just a little bit. I, I just think no, I that... Feel, I feel a little pressured now. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I'm not used to speaking in front of people. You're doing so I can good. Sing in Isn't front she of doing good? Isn't she doing good? Um, that was weak. I, Isn't she doing good? <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> No, I'm kidding. You're so embarrassing. Um, okay. Uh, right, exactly. Um, so I think that, I don't know what we talked about exactly. It was a little, little late last night. But, yeah. you know, yeah, I think was. that sometimes, I feel like this happens a lot in church and in our, our culture and society. We sort of like, we have this like old days thing and it's really like 1950s. I'm not really really sure why but that is like the era we all go back to and for some reason I think that when people think about what is your role as a wife it's like that is the era we think about and it's the woman was at home and dressed nicely and cooked the meals and stood at the door with her husband's trad wife yeah at the door with her husband's drink and the children were being pleasant like all of that stuff sounds so good I think one time I ax- I was putting his slippers away and he happened to like open the door. He had left him by the door and he opened the door and I was like, oh, hi. And I held the slippers <laughs> and like put him down and he was like, wow, thanks. <laughs> You're welcome. I just took it. But anyway. Only one time. Uh, one time. One that time. was it. 
Um, but anyway, I think that, uh, you know, we just have this weird, distorted view based on those kinds of things, the Leave it to Beaver shows and things like that, of what scripture is saying about roles in a marriage, you know. And ultimately, do we kind of live that out? Yeah, you know, that yeah. for our family, you work and mm-hmm. you provide for our family and I mostly raise our children and kind of take care of our household and things like that. (laughs) Um, But that's kind of where we are. But it's it's not about, you know, all of the things that those are about. And it's more about... Don't mess where she's going with this. I don't know where you think I'm going with this. I'm I'm a little bit concerned. Because you're getting there. (laughs) Okay. Um, But the, you know, wives submitting to your husbands... Um, you know, it's, that's always, for me growing up, it was always taught very kind of more, you don't question your husband, you let your husband decide and make, you know, make choices for the family and whatever he says just goes and you just have to pray about it and pray the Lord will give you peace about it. And you need to just, you know, kind of follow along with it. And I, (laughs) I believe as we've studied more and grown in our marriage, you know, we've learned more and more that. There is there is an element of that, that that's true. I, I do believe that based on scripture, and obviously we can't get into all this tonight, that Matt is the one that's going to give account for our family. It's not me. It's him. He is the leader of our household. And so it's my job to faithfully speak into him when he says, hey, I think our family should do this. And I'm like, that is the last thing our family needs to do. Do I need to say that? Maybe not just like that because I might crush him and I might make him feel bad when he thought this was going to be this really fun thing or this really great thing. But I do need to come to him and say, hey, did you think about this? Did you think about this? Can we talk about this? Did you pray about it? You know, and get him, you know, on a track of maybe where I am. And sometimes we have that conversation and I I end up saying, you know, I'm not that comfortable with it. But if if it's what you think, then it's what we're going to do because, you know, ultimately... It's going to bite you in the butt, not me, right? Right. <laughs> and so I'm going to go with it. But there, most of the time, we end up landing in the same place. It's right. been very rare that we've ever come to a, a place in our decision-making where we've not agreed and then we've just done what you think, right? Very rare. It's, it usually lands somewhere in the middle, maybe not in on my extreme. We tend to be on opposite extremes, right? Matt's like an all-in you know, kind of thing. He wants me to go to jujitsu and I'm over here like, I will never put my hands on somebody else forever. Like if somebody attacks me, I'm, I'm done. I'm gone. I'm dead. Like it's, yeah, I have no desire to try to fight somebody for my life, but he does. So (laughs) anyway, um, but yeah, so we have to fall somewhere in the middle with those things for the most part, but ultimately it's on you. And out of your love for me, right, and not just your desire to be a dictator, you consider my thoughts and consider my feelings and don't feel like you have to just put your foot down. And, you know, it's not a battle of wills. It's not a battle of that you just don't want to take, you know, take my thoughts because you just are annoyed that, I, that I'm disagreeing with you. Right. And obviously how I present it does affect how annoyed you get. That's true. <laughs> um, but as long as it's a healthy kind of conversation, we can we can d- deal with things in a biblical way. But ultimately, I you know, your decisions are what affects our family the most. And, 
you know, and sometimes, honestly, God blesses things that I never thought he would. And he, you know, brings me along in things that I never thought I'd be along for. And it's been interesting to see how that plays out. I don't know if that was what you were wanting to say. Yeah. So just to analyze, and I know that we're a few minutes over, um, but we don't always do this this forum like this. Um, I, I don't want you to miss this, right? So she, she, she described roles in a home of how we make decisions. And it's more like a song. It's more like a, a good song with members of the band that are in sync, right? Um, that work together for a specific performance rather than some, some person that's on two different tracks, Rather than somebody who has this concept of how they think it should run and someone over here that has this way, like one's just playing guitar and the other is playing drums. And really she does control the rhythm of our household. It's really a good analogy. Singing to yourselves in Psalms sounds like Paul kind of had the same idea. Do you see the symphony that is happening within this text about the home? And there are different roles for different reasons. And my personality is different than hers. But the problem is, is when you have a woman that has a really strong personality and a man that doesn't know how to handle that, they fight. They, they bang heads rather than just get on the right instruments. Rather than one playing the lead guitar and the other playing rhythm, it's okay. But ultimately, if you decide to structure your household in such a way that a woman has headship over a man, are you removing yourself from the Lord's blessing? It's quiet. We have to submit first to who? To the Lord. And then to each other. And it, it has nothing, I'm, I'm not egalitarian. I, I think you're seeing that. I'm complementarian. I don't believe that I'm better in my leadership because I have headship. Just because my role is different and I give an account for my home, watch this, as a pastor, the Bible says, I give an account for your souls. The Lord uses headship in everything. No one in the church should usurp authority over the head of the church who is who? Jesus. It's in everything. But he doesn't look at the church and say, you're insignificant and worse than me. He said, you're a brother and sister with me. Someone who believes in a complementarian relationship, I believe that my wife compliments me. I don't believe she's the same as me. I believe the Lord made us uniquely different for two different roles. And those two uniquely different roles, watch this, complement and work together. I never lord over her. Me saying I make the final call, I make the final decision, doesn't mean I'm better than her. It means that she has decided to give me that authority in our relationship. It doesn't mean I'm over her or greater than her. Does that make sense? We let Satan take this thing of role reversal and twist it so that we think we're male chauvinist pigs. But we're not. It's the design. It's how the Lord made it to show his goodness and to show his glory. Some of you need to think long and hard about the foundation of your relationship. Why are we married? 
If the why, right, if the why is tethered to the text, then you need to fulfill your God-given roles. You don't need to let your role get out of hand and do something that it wasn't, what, designed to do. Her wisdom is infinitely more than mine. Her, her wisdom has, has the fruit in our relationship that has, that has come to bear because we do decisions like that, because I go to her and say, this is what I'm thinking, and she says, have you thought about X, Y, and Z? Have you done this, that, and the other? Have you researched this? Well, of course not. Well, you probably should. And we talk about it. Rather than I do what I'm going to do and she does what she's going to do. That There's no oneness. There's no unity. And we're going to talk about more. There's other trolls that are birthed out of folks that have a misplaced marriage foundation. And many are just living in two different houses altogether, spiritually speaking. Hope this was helpful tonight. The three questions that are at the four questions that are at the bottom of your paper, that's homework. Is it three? That's four. It should be four. It should be four.